Lock and load, killer. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is a Friday the 13th bonus episode. And from Earth 2, your co-hoster, Cullen. I probably should have thought of something Friday the 13th related to say here. I did not. I'm, of course, Brandon, as I forgot to mention right there. And when it's Friday the 13th, not only does Evil get an upgrade, we do too as we welcome back from JoeBelow.com, Arrow in the Head, and the producer of The Harvesters and the upcoming Sick for Toys, our resident Bob, Jimmy O. James Oster. And I, unlike the character in Jason X, didn't get screwed. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yes. Joining us now, we are honored to have the writer of My Bloody Valentine 3D, Drive Angry 3D, and today's film itself, Jason X, Mr. Todd Farmer. Okay, screw this game over. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no apology. <laughs> oh, I thought you were apologizing for the movies. Like, don't do that. We like those. I'm sorry you had to watch those. <laughs> oh, no. Todd, I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I first saw Jason X, I didn't know you at the time. We hadn't met. I remember watching the movie and just laughing my ass off. I went to see it twice, and I bought it on DVD. And I became a fan of yours immediately because of the extras and watching you talk about that movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the one that bought it on DVD? I bought that on DVD. We heard about you. Yes, I'm the one. There were three copies sold. You're talking to them right now. I went to Walmart at midnight to go get this. And (laughs) when I went up to the register, the, the guy at the register said, they made another Jason movie? Oh, let him die. And <laughs> he, he just kept saying, let him die, over and over again. And it's, I don't know, 12, 20 in the morning. I just wanted to go home and watch Jason X. Yeah, he's now managing that Walmart, by the way. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> for him. I'm not surprised. He's yeah, well, I'm talking to Todd Farmer, so he can shove it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So Todd, what what I mean, we were like trying to figure out everything that was connected to the previous films. It seems like there's like just, you're just dropping like little hints throughout the whole movie. How much of that was kind of harkening back to those earlier films that you wrote that 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 made it into the film? I mean, there was a lot of it. We were in a weird place because Freddy versus Jason was in development had been for a long time. And so mm-hmm. we we didn't know what they were doing because Sean love him or hate him wasn't really a part of that process and they didn't want him to be a part of the process. So we didn't know what they were doing. So we set this movie in the future so that it wouldn't interfere with what they were doing. And I've said this before. And so Friday the 13th fans would be pissed off, but my favorite of the franchises was Halloween. And so I, I love the Halloween franchise. So when I got involved with the, the Friday franchise, the thing I liked the most about the Friday franchise is each movie was different. You have Jason finding a telekinetic girl. You have Jason. <laughs> isn't even Jason. It's his mom. And the second movie is this guy in a in a burlap sack. And the third mm-hmm. 
mostly in 3D. He happens to get the mask. And then you've got Jason Lives, where he comes back as zombie Jason. I mean, every one is very unique, which is kind of cool. So I like the idea that we were going to do something different and go into space. Originally, the idea was to do sort of a Blade Runner, so that it's just set in a futuristic world, and they find Jason Barry. And everybody was like, we can't afford to do that. You can't, you can't do Blade Runner on a, on a Friday the 13th budget. But you can go to space and have it on a spaceship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's aliens, right? And, right. And yeah. We could do that. You set it on a dark ship and, and make it dirty. And so that's what we did. Well, what about uh, the name? And we were trying to figure out Lisa Ryder's character. Was that KM? Was that kind of a play on the kick, kill, kill, ma, ma, ma? Oh, no, I never thought of that. From now on, I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and she had a 14, so she survived. She was past the 13. Yeah. That so, was intentional. The 14 was intentional, but it was it was C-3PO. That's that's all it was. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God. 14. Oh, because... God. Now I'm, I'm never going to be able to think of uh, C-3PO again in the same way, because now I'm going to think he's a sex robot. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm going I'm to enjoy those movies that... a lot more now. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote such wonderful sex for that poor little robot. <laughs> never made it into the movie but. now how much sex did you write like how how graphic did you get in the writing stage of the film it was always just the weird sex the teacher and the and the student that was supposed to be weird it was <laughs> it was yeah. pretty weird yeah, as it yeah, was. we're gonna circle back to that yeah. <laughs> uh, the idea and it never really played right in in the movie but the idea was that this AI robot has developed feelings for this guy who created her. And so she keeps saying, you guys are going to die. You guys are going to die. And then he kisses her and she says, Oh, chances of survival have just, have just gone up. And so he <laughs> can out with her and she's like, chances of survival are really high now. And so that was sort of the, the ongoing joke that never really played out in the movie, but eh, whatever. Now oh, you, I like it. You said like yeah. your original vision was a lot grimmer, a little more serious. Was there any changes in terms of like kills wise or character wise that when you had to change it to more screen friendly? Um, no, kill wise, no. We had a lot of budget cuts. We had a anti gravity scene that had to be cut because we just couldn't do it. But as far as kills, no, I think all the kills remain remain there. If anything, it was budget. Like at the end of the movie, when Janessa dies, she was supposed to get sucked through a hole into space. And you basically mm. just see some. You see the liver, aftermath. Yeah, you see some liver beans. Yeah. On a yeah. Class, but well, what was your favorite kill that, that actually made it on screen? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, clearly the cryo kill. And it's not my kill. I was writing the movie and Sean's son, Noel, called and said he had this idea. It was is it was much more complex than than what we ended up with, but what we ended up with I think was perfect. But it was a it was a cryogenic kill where he, mm. you know, freezes somebody's face and shatters it. Look, I, I'm one of those guys, I don't care where the idea comes from. As a writer, especially in today's Hollywood, even back then, you have to take the best idea you can get, whether it's your idea or somebody else's idea. There's no ego. I knew the moment he said it, that was a great idea. And it, it's mm. the best kill in the movie as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the best kills of all, all of Jason's movies. Those practical effects are amazing. Oh, oh yeah. It's great. They did a great job. My favorite they did. They was did. When, uh, when, when Asriel died because I've never hated a character so instantly before in cinema is when I saw him. <laughs> yeah. I think it was high the whole time. <laughs> it looked like it, it look, well, don't, well generally people don't stand right in front of a thing that might fall and cut off their arm 
You know, they, that wasn't very smart on his part. He must have been high for that. <laughs> I Look, I like him. He was fun, but he was really out there. <laughs> and he was having fun, though. That, yeah. You uh, you get to play in your films a lot, and it's it's always fun to see your handsome face on screen. I'm what, sorry, you say ass. Yeah, oh, well, uh, yeah. Hey, dude, this I is the only the movie ass, you're clothed in, right? Yeah, that, I say the ass for you and I, personal time, man. This is this is business, man. I say the ass is you and me. But <laughs> did, which, was that part of the deal? Where how did you get involved in playing that character, and why did you play that character? No, and I why didn't you show your ass? Sean and Jimmy came up and they said, you know, do you want to play a part? And I was like, yeah, because, you know, I had been Frederick in the Pirates of Penzance in college. So, I mean, clearly I (laughs) You were qualified to be in a theatrical movie, sure. Yes. That's the logical leap. Uh, I am a thespian. So, uh, yes, I definitely. So they were like, what do you want to play? And I knew I wasn't going to get one of the the main leads, but I thought, well, I could play Dallas because he's got kind of the, the funnest role. And they never batted an eye. And I was the first day of shooting, by the way. And so I oh. remember Jimmy, Jimmy coming up to me and he goes, okay, so no pressure, but today sort of sets the tone for the entire shoot. If today goes poorly, we're fucked. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, this is the first movie. I'd never been in one. I'd been in plays, but I'd never been like this. And I had an absolute blast. I remember there was one moment where I'm supposed to be jerked off screen. And so they were trying to set it up so that Kane could actually jerk me off screen. And I was like, oh, we were 15 minutes into it. And I was like, guys, guys, guys. I said, why don't I just do this? And I just stretched my arm out and then just sort of faked being pulled off screen. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, that works. We don't have to pay <laughs> Kane for a day. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Kane, Kane's a monster. He's amazing. Everybody thinks Kane is this re- – uh, well, not everybody. People who know him know, know better. But but Kane's not – yes, he has kill tattooed on the inside of his lip. But he's, yeah. not, he's not a dick. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, he's a snuck man first. And so I was supposed to do this stunt where I get my head smashed into the wall. And he was like, no, 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 we're bringing in a guy. And I was like, I can do it. And I don't know if you remember the first X-Men movie when you've got Wolverine fighting this big bald guy inside a cage. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Right, right when yeah. you see him, yeah. The bald guy was my stuntman who was brought oh. in specifically to get his head smashed into the wall. They had cut a hole into the wall and the wall was covered in like this rubber. And he was supposed to hit this this mark. And I kept saying to Kane, dude, we don't need a stuntman. I can do this. And he was like, no, 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 no. We're doing this right. And I was like, all right, fine. And so the stuntman came in and did it. And the stuntman missed the hole and completely shattered his nose. Oh, no. There was no nose left. He hit a two by four and just the nose was destroyed. It wasn't Kane. It was, you know, the stuntman missed. And he was great about it. But I went up to Kane after and I was like, I love you so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Otherwise, I could have missed and shattered my nose. So right? Kane Hodder has prided himself on breaking zero bones his entire career, but he, he maybe not other people's bones. Yeah, he didn't he break is. my bones. <laughs> <laughs> but then later we did the close-ups, and, and it's funny because he put his, his hand on the back of my head, and he was like, Ree, you, you got to do the work. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you know, you have to hit the, the hole hard because I'm not pushing at all. He said, this is all you. I'm just going to hold my hand on the back of your head. He said, you're the one in control. I- I'd never worked with a stuntman before, so it was kind of remarkable to have this guy who you think of as being this guy who's just really mean and will throw you around to get what he needs. He wouldn't like that at all. I mean, he was all about safety and being the best stuntman on the planet. And I-, I still believe that. 
I mean, this is wow. a guy who burned over most of his body. And as a result of that, the business changed. He's a he's a heck of a guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice to hear that, too, because you do. It, it does seem like the guys in horror, especially the guys that play these monsters, are usually the nicest guys in the world. Yeah, they are. Kane, you know, obviously Derek is a, is a good friend of mine. Tyler Maine is a good friend of mine. Todd, all those guys, they really are down to earth and they really are at the end of the day, really nice guys. Yeah, what, what is it about horror that leads people like that into it? I mean, I, I guess for me, I like to write about it because, you know, it's fun to see really bad stuff happen and think, well, it's not happening to me. So that's good. What is it about you? What 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 do you like about horror? Because you do you're involved in it pretty heavily. You you mean like a, a, coming in as a writer or as a fan? Yeah, come as a writer and as a fan. You know, it's it's interesting. I I knew I wanted to write, and and so I had researched the writing of it. And, and by the way, growing up, we would have sleepovers at the house, and it was always. You know, we didn't have sleepovers at the house watching Field Magnolias. We watched horror movies. <laughs> so when it came time to enter Hollywood, I had learned that, or you know, I'd heard from everyone that if you want to get into the business, you get in through horror. It's horror is very cheap. There's low risk, and that's just sort of the way you get your foot in the door. That wasn't a problem with me at all. But then I ended up working for Cunningham, and Cunningham who had done Friday the Thirteenth, he didn't want to continue doing horror. He wanted to do other stuff. So. He had me writing courtroom dramas and delinquent kids in Spanish Harlem. And, and I went to him and I was like, dude, I'm I'm from Kentucky. Just give me something scary to write. I can do that. And eventually we ended up doing the, the Jason thing. And it was fun. But all of that changed when Scream came out. Because Scream's this movie that came out and opened at nothing. I think it made like five million, six million tops. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought it flopped. But word of mouth turned this thing into a monster. And you know, it's, it's like within a month, everybody was doing horror. It's like everybody yeah. looked down their nose at it was doing it. And so I didn't go into this thinking horror is my passion. I went into it thinking I love horror and I certainly grew up watching it, but I just want to get into the business. I want to write. I want to tell stories. I didn't care if the story was scary or if it was a romance or an action. I, I just wanted to, you know, I'm the kid around the campfire that was always telling stories. Granted, those were ghost stories. So this worked. You didn't uh, tell lawyer stories around the campfire? Like, and then (laughs) he looked to the witness and no. Nobody cared. (laughs) um, (laughs) Wait, none of those stories that that weren't horror, none of those got made. But that's okay. They should have gotten made. They suck. Well, the reason they didn't get made was probably because they didn't have the giant sex tongs that are in this movie for some reason. (laughs) Where, Where did that idea come from and where did you find those things? That was Jimmy. I mean, I wrote the scene to be weird, and then Jimmy comes up with all these weird, like the tongs, for instance, which I think he actually went home with the tongs. <laughs> they, were, they were hanging on his wall forever. You can have the mask or the tongs. Oh, what do you want to take home? I'll take the tongs. Yeah. It's part but of I mean, cinema history, yeah. Look, we had a great time. And Jimmy, who had been, Jimmy Isaac, who had been, um, Cronenberg's special effects guy for years. He reached out to Cronenberg saying, can I use your effects guys? Can I use our effects team on this movie? And Cronenberg said, yeah, you can, as long as I get to do a cameo. (laughs) We were were like, no, screw you. That's not happening. (laughs) And, And what's great about it is he got the script and look, it's not the greatest script ever written. It's damn close, but it's not the greatest. And he rewrote all of his lines. He rewrote everything. And I'm like, 
uh, okay. I guess, I mean, he's Cronenberg. I guess you, he what gets you, that cloud, or there was this whole thing about I don't want him. I don't. I can't remember the plan. I don't now. want him frozen. I, I want him soft. Want him soft. That's totally Cronenberg. That's not me. I would never have thought of that in a million years. He was perfect. We think the the script's a lot smarter than it's given credit. I mean, it knows oh, what yeah. it is. And, mm-hmm. and well, we, yeah, we we and it, it, it's up there with like for us. Like um, you're familiar with the series. Like it's it's there with part six in that it knows what it is. It's not afraid to have some fun with the audience, and it also no. has some good gore. And there's there's some scenes that have some good intensity in it too. Yeah, certainly when I went into it, I went into it thinking Cameron's aliens. It was yeah. dark. Mm-hmm. It's gritty. It was, I mean, that's where the, the grunts come from. I mean, all of that is, I, I was ripping off both alien movies and I have admitted many times that was the case. But then <laughs> Scream came out and suddenly everything was self-aware. Suddenly that's where all the lines he screwed came from and stuff like that. Because now it's, it, we're pointing a finger at the fact that we know this is, which is fine because this was the 10th installment. Yeah, oh well, yeah, exactly. That's why, that's why I know. tell people when they're all, I'm like, it's the 10th one about a guy in a hockey mask that kills people at camps. It's how you go. Where was it always? Since you were going more aliens route, was were the main characters always students when you first started, or were they like the marine people and those people got pushed to the side? No, they were they were always students. But the idea was, if you send your kids on a on a field trip, you send some teachers. If you send your kids on a field trip that goes across the galaxy, you send some marines. And it just seemed like the right thing to do because it's sort of in the how the the stakes rise in a movie. If you send a bunch of kids and they they meet Jason, then the first thing you do is you send you send the marines in to kill him and when that doesn't work you say okay fine we're gonna get on the shuttle and, and nuke the site from orbit right which was the whole <laughs> idea from aliens yeah and, uh, and of course that fails so i thought it was logical again this is my first movie and there's little things that still just completely awe me like i had written the idea that the, the spaceship was this catamaran spaceship so that you got you got basically two sides to it and it's like yeah. it's like those old boats out in the water. You could physically blow it apart and have two different pieces floating. Mm-hmm. I write this, and I don't think anything about it because I'm writing it. You don't think about people are actually going to, down the road, build the crap that you think of. You come back and you look in, and they're building all these sets, and they're spending all this money, and you suddenly you feel so very small and humbled that you know you hope you didn't screw up because everybody's livelihood is on this and then it made no money and no one worked ever again (laughs) see i would be a real bastard i walk in there and think you're all here because of me you're welcome no i was much more timid sadly i'm I'm like that now now i'm like everybody do what i want and and... (laughs) (laughs) how much of of the design you mentioned, you know, the the Cameron of the ship. What about the other designs in the movie? Because the shuttle ship, it kind of looks a little like a hockey mask, you know? And the design of their spacesuits, where I think now they look a lot like Star-Lord. Yeah, none of that was me. All of that was Stefan and the whole effects team, and Jimmy, too, because Jimmy came from effects, so he had his own ideas. And there were tons of drawings. And, I mean, I was seeing all this stuff, and I was like, okay, this is great. The thing that I didn't expect when I got on set was how colorful it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was thinking alien, aliens, and then I was looking at Star Trek. I mean, they're bright colors. I wasn't against it. It just I wasn't expecting it. And certainly with Uber Jason, which was supposed to be a surprise. He was never supposed to be in the trailer. He was never supposed yeah. to be on the cover. I really suck at that kind of stuff because Drive Angry Later was about this guy who broke out of hell. But we never, ever in the script said he broke out of hell. 
which they said in the freaking trailer. I mean, oh my we, god! We, oh. Never, we never told anyone that was the case. Everyone was to think he broke out of prison, and then you sort of kind of figure out through the course of the movie that that's not the case. I put these twists in movies that I think you know, if you watch the movie, it'll be this wonderful moment, and then the twist is on the poster. It's but like I, quarantine had like the ending of the movie on the poster. I thought the yeah, same. Literally. Like, yeah, literally. Yeah. I think that's how you sell movies now. You just throw everything out there. That's the way I've always thought. I've always thought about it. It's always been the sick. I mean, it's it's basically, would you put the penis on the poster of the crying game? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about trailers. You know, I, I miss the old time trailers like the the old Jaws trailer, the Halloween or this. One of the my favorite trailers is Psycho, where he literally gives the first <laughs> third of the movie away. But it's in such a clever way that you don't really feel like you're getting... Nothing's being spoiled because it's just some yeah. guy wandering around a house. I, well, I wish they would do that. I mean, certainly with Jason, it wasn't like that because you see in the movie, you know, let the bodies hit the floor and suddenly there's this metallic Jason walking around. I don't think that worked. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I can say this because we opened bad. I mean, nobody went. But I think if nobody went... And then people came home and said, oh, no, 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 you have to go back and look at this because something really crazy happens. Then maybe more people would go. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't don't hate the Uber Jason design. It's just, again, it wasn't what was in my head. What was in my head was, uh, do you remember Judge Dredd Mm -hmm. when Stallone Mm -hmm. is off planet and he runs into this sort of metallic robot, half robot thing? You'd have to go back and look because it's not something you, you would just. But it was this. It was this guy who was sort of part human and part machine, but it looked dirty. It looked like, you know, this was something that was done in in a back room and it looked painful and dirty and greasy. And it just it wasn't clean. Uber Jason looks clean to me. And I get that because you've got nanotechnology putting them back together. And I get all that. He's Mm -hmm. almost Power Ranger villain ish kind of. Yes. A lot of people said, you know, he looked like Shredder, which I couldn't argue with. But I always saw it as a more, I don't know, painful-looking transformation. But again, you know, it's it's interesting because you write something and you have this vision in your head, and then when it happens, you sort of go with the flow because you can't, you know, you're the writer, you're not you're not the boss. At the end of the day, I don't have any regrets. I mean, I would I wouldn't change a thing. I don't know if I would have said that ten years ago, because ten years ago I saw the movie and I thought my career was over, and it kind of was. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you go on Twitter who people weren't being nice and you responded in a pretty nice fashion because you've been dealing with fans who didn't like this movie and have given you a hard time. I've seen you deal with that on Twitter and such. How do you deal with that? Do you take that stuff personally or do you are you able to kind of just let it go? No, I let it go. Look, I knew this movie broke the rules. Movies that make money. Take a take a look at uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. It falls outside of your standard genre. So, I mean, what is that movie? Is it is it supernatural? Is it horror? Is it comedy? It's like it's hard to define what it is. And as a result, mm. at the box office, Blade Runner is the same way. Jason X is the same way. Drive Angry is the same way. If you do a movie that is straightforward, the audience looks at the trailer and they're like, oh, it's an action movie. Fine. But if you do a movie that is an action movie and it's also comedy and it's also romance, you run the risk of, of being a failure. And I'm mm. okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're getting to a, a period where we're starting to maybe get into genre free because with something like the streaming services, they're able to put something in more than one genre when they organize. Yeah. 
Deadpool, for instance, did it for me because Deadpool is a is a superhero movie, but it's also a comedy. It's also, in some ways, a horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Successful, massively successful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm agree with you. I, I think the I think times are changing. I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, and there's stuff that take have taken horror elements. Like there's people that won't watch a horror movie, but they sit and watch Game of Thrones, which has tons of gore in it. Yeah. But they'd never watch mm-hmm. a horror movie with less gore. So it's kind of... I can remember being a kid watching elements of, of 007 and it being horrific. Some mm-hmm. of the some of the deaths that happened in, the, in that franchise, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was it was horror movie-like. And um, no one batted an eye at it. So I think all of that's coming back now. Yeah. I think you can... I, I think you have more freedom when it comes to telling stories. But right. we'll see. Now, with Jason X, it did get some spinoff things like young adult novels and like comics and stuff but you've mentioned i've seen in places before that you had ideas for two additional movies of the jason x what where where did those entail i mean the second movie would take place on earth too and it was basically this futuristic society which was the blade runner kind of society battling this creature from the past that has been upgraded and uh because they have the technology at the end of the movie they send him they can't kill him they keep trying to kill him they've killed him several times he keeps sitting back up and uh, by the end of the movie, they send him back in time. So the third movie would be 1980s Crystal Lake. <laughs> when you have Jason in the, uh, the burlap sack and Uber Jason shows up. <laughs> no, exactly. I want to Not see only that space, movie so you were going to give us time travel in the Friday the 13th. Yeah. That's, you can say it's uh, Back to the Future Part 2, but the Friday the 13th version. That's wonderful. Yeah, I want uh, that movie. I'm a dick that way. <laughs> oh my God. All right, let's go crowdfund this. Let's get these movies made. Yeah, right. Well, I don't. It could happen. I mean, look, Big Trouble in Little China was blocked. Nobody went to see it, and it's getting a sequel, a big sequel. Friends of mine are writing it. We live in a weird world, but it well, became it, a cult classic, and in in some ways, Jason has Jason X has become a cult something. I feel like more people respect it now because I, I, I know a lot of people like the three of us, obviously, we're fans of it. Now, I hear a lot a lot of people say, yeah, no, that movie, it actually holds up pretty well. Well, I mean, if you go to IMDb, one of, you know, one of the top comments is which, which is worse, Cancer or Jason X? <laughs> and I Ooh, think that's... there's a debate there to be had. <laughs> I don't think that's a cut and dry question. <laughs> I think you picked a side when you asked the question. Right. I think you're right. <laughs> well, oh IMDb is run by middle school kids, so that's that's true. And they yep. know cancer. Yeah. They do. Oh my Whoa. god. It's time for Jason X. There, there's some like other horror icons that you've dabbled in, but we haven't seen. You know, you did end up having the finished product with like Halloween. I think it was like almost right away where you and Patrick Lussier brought on after Rob Zombie's second one. Yeah, we were brought on before Rob, Rob was still shooting, and the mm-hmm. Weinstein, or Bob called, it wasn't. I've uh, I've never dealt with the rapist. I've dealt with Bob a lot. Mm. You know, he was like, look, you know, I want you to come in and take a look at this. We, you know, we wrote a script and uh, loved it. But we also, it was at a, at a time when we wrote the script, we, we were supposed to shoot Drive Angry in January. And we were working on this, you know, late the year before. And so we had to have the movie finished before Christmas. And there was just there was just no way to do it in time. And so it went away. And then after we came back after Drive Angry, Bob was like, let's work on Hellraiser. So we did and we 
three drafts of Hellraiser. It wasn't a remake. It was a reboot. It took place in the same world the original Hellraiser took place in, but it was different. Did they tell you that we already went to space here? No more space, Todd Farmer? Is that what? (laughs) We had complete freedom, which was kind of awesome, which we never had. There was this whole debate when we did Halloween. There was a whole debate because we turned the script in early. And had we not turned it in early, they would have been able legally to not pay us because they decided to pull the plug. But we turned it in early, so they couldn't not do that. So they had to pay us. Wow ordeal where we were going to sue them and this was going to happen and all you know it was just it was nuts but we did get paid in full and everybody you know lawyers and agents they were all like look if you fight them you're never going to work with them again and we did fight them and they respected us for it because they were gambling. They were like, you know, okay, well, they won this time, but the next hand we'll win. And so we went into bed with them on uh, on Hellraiser and Hellraiser I loved by the way. It became frustrating because we did three different, completely different takes. We did a very adult take, husband and wife story. We did a father and daughter story. And then we did the Final Destination story with a bunch of kids. And we were just trying to get to the next step so we could write the script. And so we did three different, really like 40-page outlines for three different stories. Still, to this day, I like the adult story the best. I like the father-daughter second. I like the Final Destination version third. But they're all really good. I love doing what I do. I get paid to write stories. I may not always love the story that I'm writing, but I'm going to make the best out of it. Was your Halloween going to follow Tyler Maine's Scout Taylor Compton type story, or was it just starting fresh? The opening was the end of Rob's movie. Okay. Oh, but we, we did it in a way to show you what actually happened. Oh, okay. One thing happened and we, we show you. And so the first act of the movie, the first 30 minutes of the movie, is basically a brand new finale to Rob's movie. Oh, all right. Oh. The end of the movie, uh, Tyler Mayne is in an ambulance that goes off a cliff on a, on a, at a dam, and he's on fire. And so the, the mask is melting into his face as he plummets to his death. And so the beginning of the second act is a, a bunch of idiots inside a you know one of the you know those those uh, Halloween stores that open up seasonally, yeah mm, yeah pop up uh, shop yeah and you know they're pulling open all these boxes and they're like look we got we got this one mask left which has been discontinued what do you want to do do you want to sell it do you want what do you want to do and you look at it and it's the old Kirk mask oh <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. oh wow our special effects guy Gary Tunicliffe had found the original mold to that James T Kirk mask and so we. Wow. Totally. And by the way, no one knew that thing existed. He found it. And so we were going to go back to the original mask. And so we were going to have this one mask left. And this kid is like, I'll put it on the stand and sell it for 10 bucks. And then, you know, the kid puts it up there and turns around. And there's Tyler Mayne with this mask that's just melted to his face. Ah. And he, he kills the kid and he, and he takes this old mask and puts it on and he becomes the shape. So he's no longer the T-Rex, which I think of for, you know, Rob's movies. He becomes mm-hmm. the shape. He becomes the dick. He becomes the guy who will piss you off and, and put on a sheet and wear glasses. I mean, because the great thing about Michael Myers is he was a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Was. He, wasn't, he wasn't a T-Rex who just breaks through walls and kills people. He was a dick. Yeah. He yeah. your emotions and, and, you know, and he pretended to be your boyfriend and then killed you. I mean, that was pretty awesome. So anyway, that's where yeah. we get back to. So it was a great script. I mean, I loved it. Granted, I'm biased because I wrote it. But. <laughs> <laughs>
But no, it was great. Look, I've been fortunate to work on Freddy vs. Jason. I, you know, I've worked, I, you know, My Bloody Valentine allowed me to work with a minor. I mean, I'm ready to die now. I've had a good, I've had a good run. Which, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't, we don't want that. We want you, no. we want more from you, man. Yes, one more. <laughs> we, we love the, we love the mix of action, horror, and comedy that you balance so well. It's yeah. great. It's, like your movies are, are, we were talking about like, you know, the guy who's like a dick who's like, you know, I don't get scared at these. We'll still have a fun time at your movie because it's got yeah. certain things that'll appeal to all different kinds of people going to a horror movie. Well, it certainly all clicked when I started working with Patrick. Patrick is the guy who saved Scream. The story that I heard, and I don't know who I heard it from, it probably wasn't Patrick, or maybe it was. The story was, Wes was going to get canned. The Weinsteins had seen the footage from the dailies and didn't like it. And so Wes pulled Patrick in and said, we have to cut something together to save my job. And so they did that for that opening sequence with Drew Barrymore. Oh, and wow. And that's what saved Wes's job as the director. And it also led to Patrick working on 30 or 40 movies as their editor. Yeah, he did a, a Halloween H2O, didn't he? Yeah, if it was a Weinstein movie, he probably did. He was either in the movie at the beginning or he was brought in later to, to fix the movie. He worked on most of their stuff. Even after Drive Angry, he was still pulled in. What was that that space movie that was sort of found footage? Apollo 18. So he was pulling on that after we'd done Drive Angry. So he was always working for them. And that was the reason that we did Halloween. That's the reason we did Hellraiser. It was his relationship with them that allowed us to get those jobs because they loved him. And look, he's brilliant. He can take a look at a movie and fix it in a moment. And so riding with him has been, you know, really interesting because he comes at it from an editor's point of view now you guys have such a good relationship too it's such a good working relationship and yeah i love watching i love what you guys do together it's just so much fun we just got back from vegas uh last week where he got married and uh oh i didn't know <laughs> so we had a blast by the way very um, cool because what happens in Vegas actually gets Instagrammed, as it turned out. <laughs> uh, or, or Snapchat, but you can always say that goes away in 24 hours. So. <laughs> you do some good research on the internet. We had we just had Brian Collins on, and you wrote the foreword in his book. And you were talking about reading his site to get details for things. Oh, Brian's site. I, I cheated for years with Brian's site. Like, I would go in on remakes that I'd never seen, and I'd just go to Brian's site and do a real quick search. And Brian, because he watches everything that's a piece of shit, he knew he knew every movie out there. And so I would go read it, and I was like, okay, I know what this is. And then I would go in and pitch, and, I, you know, I'd sometimes get the job. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. So, yeah, I was going to do it forward. And I, I will say one of your best products that I think should be required reading for anyone wanting to be anything out in Hollywood is the piece you wrote for Birth Movies Death a few years ago. My Sleeping in My Car? Yes. Uh, mm, I was yeah. incredibly touching. Like when I lived out there, that was like a real fear of mine. It really got to me. And I was like, man, people need to read. This is the truth right here. This is what people need to read. Someone who's you know been successful going through this even. Because, I mean, there's people that don't even make it close to where you're at. Yeah, I mean that was after that was after everything. That was after Jason X, Drive Angry. I'd had success, and uh, and I was sleeping in my car, which yeah. by the way oh. is not too bad. A Prius is much more roomy than you might expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, hey, do you still have a Prius? I do. I've got a. I do too. I think I got one because of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Toyota should send me some points for that. I know they should. I know. <laughs> That was an inspiring piece, though, man. And I remember, like, I, when I read it, I was just so moved. And 
I was like, like these guys said, everybody should read it. Everyone should read it. It it's should be just... it should be required reading. Like, oh, you're going out. Like, if, if any of my kids ever go, I'm going to, I'm going to show them that piece and be like, if you think you could make it through that, then <laughs> go ahead. Then you know, I want you to try it, but just know that this is a, a very real possibility. I don't have any re- regrets, but at the at the time, it, there were nights that it was not. It was not fun. <laughs> you know, people don't think of this because L.A. is hot. And, you know, we got more fires now than we've ever had. You know, mm-hmm. Global warming is clearly fake. And uh, yes. <laughs> during the winter, L.A. gets cold. Mm-hmm. And if you're in your car, it can be a little nippy. And I didn't put this in the article, bro. I remember one night. The, the thing about sleeping in your car is you can't always sleep in the same place because people will remember you. They'll remember your car. And so... Mm-hmm. You have to keep moving around. And so I'd found this some industrial area I was sleeping in. And I know there was a there was a trailer park on one end and there was a, a, an apartment complex on the other. I was so right in the middle. And so in the middle of the night, I'd gotten up to take a leak and this truck drove by and there were a bunch of guys in there. and I could hear the music and I can. And, and so they saw me and they jumped out. And so suddenly I'm <sighs> running across a, an industrial complex trying to hide from guys who are chasing me. I don't know if they mean harm or if they're just drunk and are having fun. And I'm thinking to myself, this is what my life has become. I put Jason in space. This should not be happening. Wow. But, but, you know, I hid. I survived. How long did you hide? That's that's insane. I know. It was nuts. I hid in bushes for, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes. Wow. Bored and went away. And then I went back. Damn. Wow. Now everybody that's listening wants to kill themselves. (laughs) (laughs) If I was you, I would have yelled, I was Dallas and Jason X. Please don't hurt me. (laughs) But the thing is, at the end of the day, it's life experience. I don't regret any of that. This is why I'm able to write what I write, because I've lived weird life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And so now I'm here with you guys, my kids behind me playing Minecraft. Well, we wouldn't trade it either, because honestly, dude, I, I, I consider you a friend, and I also can, I'm a fan of yours. I think you're incredibly talented, and you're funny, and you make me want to see movies whenever you work on them. Mm-hmm. So, Ditto. Oh, yeah. Well, I have never been busier than I am right now, so I feel like there's a lot of good stuff. Patrick and I have, have got probably seven or eight things in the pipeline, and we haven't. it hasn't been like this in, in 10 years. Wow. You know, it's one of those things we were joking about it today because normally in, you know, Hollywood is a numbers game. You do a lot of work and one thing goes forward. But it feels like right now we're doing a lot of work and several things are going to go forward. I'm okay with that. I feel like I'm doing. Well, I think you are, too, man. I I can't wait to hear about it. I can't wait Mm -hmm. to see what you guys got got coming out. Very exciting. Well, I expect uh, I expect you guys to uh, come back and we'll all uh, we'll review what uh, whatever happens it will not be easy on me. We will be harsh. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Let me just uh, say, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been a honor to have you on here. Let's let's do it again. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Thank and you, they, man. It was uh, it was awesome. I miss you, fuckers, already. <laughs> I miss you. I'm crying. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. 
produced by Brad Shoemaker, edited by Brandon Peters, narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Have we talked about the fact that I juked you guys last night? I, I know. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. We're gentlemen. We were going to bring it up. Yeah, but we, we were going to bring it up. I mean, but now, no. It was so <laughs> awesome because. Yeah, I, think, I, I said to Brandon I was going to try to make you cry, so I guess now it's my turn. <laughs> we came to the internet. I said to Izzy, I was like, I feel like there's something I'm supposed to do. What do you want to do? And she's like, I don't know. Don't you have something to do? And I was like, you want to play Minecraft? So we played Minecraft for a while. <laughs> Fell asleep. I woke up at 3 a.m. because I'm old and I have to pee. And I, I as I'm sitting there urinating, I, I look down at my messages and, and Jimmy sends me a text. And I see all these text messages. Are you going to join? Hello? Oh, no. Are you there? <laughs> We're here if you want to join. Man. We would, and Todd, we were waiting. We were still at 3 a.m. just waiting for you to call. It was it about was 6 a.m. when we called it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a long night. No, we're kidding. We're kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, I, who, I, yes, you have my number now, so now you can actually physically text me as opposed to how are we communicating? Twitter. Yes, <laughs> we were doing Twitter. We were doing uh, the DM, which isn't always a reliable sur- source of. Connecting. So, like, not if you if you don't have your phone set up to like push that notification, then you're never going to see it unless you log back into Twitter, which yeah, I yeah. did until I was urinating at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing Minecraft and we were waiting on you <laughs> <laughs> till six in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you texted that you were sorry and then you went to bed while we were still up waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, no, we were giving Jimmy crap. But the color was like, uh, he's like, you know, you didn't have to promise Todd Farmer to come back on the show, Jim. We were gonna, ha- we were gonna have you back on here. I was like, what are you gonna say next time? You got Kevin Bacon coming? Wait, do you know Kevin Bacon? I I've interviewed him, but I don't know him. No, no, we're I've interviewed him like twice. That's it. He's nice, nice guy. He's dreamy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, very dreamy. Very well, if dreamy. We, if we do Hollow Man, don't lie to us and say Kevin Bacon's coming on the show. I won't. I promise. <laughs> well, he could. As he could come invisibly. So I mean, that that could be. Oh no. We could pretend. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's a Friday the Thirteenth alumni, but I think of him as as Kevin Trimmer's Bacon. There you, you go. Know, definitely. Yeah. Dude, I still I still go with Friday the Thirteenth because that was one of the first movies I saw that. And, you know, at that age in the theaters, being young and freaked out, I was like, "Wow, I can't lay in a bed now because I know I'm going to get stabbed in the neck." I mean, <laughs> he's not. I mean, he's not embarrassed, but he came back. He wrote a pretty sizable amount of pieces for uh, the the coffee table book, the Crystal Lake Memories. Mm-hmm. So, oh. he's, he's Wait, not... he wrote stuff. I didn't oh, know that. Oh yeah, he, he I didn't wrote, either. Yeah, he. For... 
he's in the huh for peter's book for yeah the crystal lake memories yeah yeah he's he's in there oh i was surprised i was like holy crap kevin bacon i didn't know that yeah (laughs) well guys you're welcome todd farmer yeah thank you for this knowledge let's do it again and you guys can no show me <laughs> oh, fair enough. Right? Well, next week, Uh-oh. next week at seven o'clock Tuesday, be there. We'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll be sure to check in. You, you start, you start the Todd Farmer show, and then we'll be your guests. And uh... perfect. 